You are listening to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. Now, let's jump into this week's talk. Hey everyone, welcome to Brave at Home. My name is Samuel Laws. I'm one of our lead pastors, and it is an honor to be teaching God's Word today. Thanks for joining us. I just want to share a few things before we jump into it. First, as you're watching, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them in the comments below. We would love to connect with you further, continue the conversation. And then also, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, that really helps us get the word out. You'll be notified of everything that is happening and everything that we release, so please do that. Um, But hey, let's continue our new series, Joy in the Journey. Well, throughout this series, we've been going through Paul's letter to the Philippian church. And what we find is he has a lot to say about joy. He's in a difficult situation. He's in prison and he has joy beyond his circumstances. Last week we learned about how to have joy in our pain, how to find purpose in our pain. And this week's talk is titled, You Can't Have Joy Without This. You can't have joy without this. If you're watching with someone, turn to them right now and just say, hey, you can't have joy without this. Okay. We're going to look at one essential ingredient for a life of joy. Right now, the American workforce is divided into two categories, essential workers and non-essential. Essential workers have been allowed to work this whole time. These are police officers, doctors, nurses, grocery store workers, delivery workers, and other professions that the government has deemed essential. And they're essential because we're very dependent on what they do. Now, I know some of you are in a really difficult position right now because the work that you do wasn't deemed essential and maybe that's put you in a really tough place. Maybe that's put you out of work. We are so sorry. We're praying for you. If there's any way we can help you, please email compassion at bravechurch.org. We would love to be there for you right now. Uh, But all of these different jobs are essential for different reasons, right? Like one of the most essential that comes to mind is the medical profession, right? Doctors and nurses, because all of us get sick. We all get sick at different times. It's not a matter of if we'll get sick or if we'll need their help. It's a matter of when. And for some people, that when is during this pandemic. Uh, Just last month, my wife gave birth to our second daughter. And it was, you know, so exciting, but it was also so different because there we were in the hospital and I I just became more aware than ever of how grateful I was for the people who worked at that hospital. I mean, from the people that were checking, checking others in at the front door, keeping us safe, to the people cooking meals in the cafeteria, to the nurses and the doctors that were personally taking care of us. In fact, let's give a shout out right now to all the medical professionals who are bravely going to work, putting themselves at risk on our behalf. They are amazing. You know, often, It's not until we need people or until we need something that we realize just how essential it is. And it's because of our need right now for doctors and nurses that that we just have this heightened awareness of how important they are. Um, It's in the same way in Philippians 2 that Paul writes to us about this essential value that we need to experience sustained joy. You cannot have joy without this, because without this value, joy becomes elusive. It becomes an emotion that comes and goes as if we have absolutely no control over when it leaves us. 
And so we're going to discover this value together. If you have a Bible, you can go to Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, and if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, as Paul is writing this, he's kind of like a worked up parent or, or like a mentor that is trying to teach you something and it's really important to them that you understand it and you can, you can feel the passion as they're sharing this and, and also you can feel that their heart is for you and that they want what's best for you. Paul's saying, look, hear this guys, hear what I'm saying. If you're hearing me at all, I hope you'll understand this because it would give me so much joy for you to know this. And then he says some really lofty stuff. He says some, some stuff that's, that sounds almost unattainable, right? Like to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He says, don't look at your own interests. Look at the interests of others. Like, let's, let's be real. These are not low goals, okay? And then all of this advice leads to one really important word, one really important value. What is it? Humility. Paul says in humility... Value others above yourself. Humility is putting others first. Humility is a really interesting concept because everyone likes the idea of it, right? We all generally probably think of ourselves as being, you know, kind of a humble person. And the opposite of humility, of course, is pride. So let me ask you something. When was the last time you told someone, hey, I'm sorry, I'm just struggling with pride right now? Or or when was the last time someone told you, hey, I I, I shouldn't have done that. That was my bad. You know, I was just being prideful, right? Like it's really hard to see ourselves as prideful because it feels like such a strong word, yet it's a root word at the root of most of our problems. Uh, Pride's a lot like greed. Greed is kind of invisible, right? I mean, greed and pride are very related. Um, Who doesn't think of themselves as a generous person, right? If you, a lot of us, I mean, we give anything and we think that we're generous. Yet, yet here in the Bay Area, we're known as one of the greediest cultures in the world. Uh, A friend of my dad's once said, he said, "We we have the wealthiest people here with the deepest pockets and the shortest arms." Now, the truth is. Uh, I'm not just picking on those who are wealthy, okay? Because you don't have to be wealthy to struggle with greed. Greed is something that we all struggle with. It. That's why Jesus talks about money almost more than any other subject. Look at the Gospels. It's all throughout. But greed is, is a form of pride. It's saying, I owe this to myself. I deserve this. It's a focus on ourselves. And, and I say this humbly because I struggled with this just this last week. I mean, just this last week, um, I, you know, we've, we've had a lot of unexpected expenses related to being in a new home, having a new baby, having a growing baby and, and you know, stuff for that. And, and then, you know, the weather's getting good. And uh, we, we realized that we had been giving regularly, faithfully our 10%, but it had been a long time since we had given above that. Um, and by the way, I only share that with you because you might think that pastors and church staffs that like we're always telling other people to give, but that we don't. And I just think it's important, especially in a time like this, that you know that everyone on our staff, we tithe, we give out of uh, 10% of everything that we receive as our income. But 
But it had, but long story short, it had been a little while since we had given above that, and we value generosity. And so, you know, we were praying about it, and we really felt like God wanted us to give extra. Now, here's the problem: like almost immediately the next day after we had prayed and talked about that, I'm thinking gosh, I want a barbecue. Like, I don't want to give extra right now. I want to go buy this barbecue. And then the next thing you know, I started rationalizing so quickly why I didn't need to give extra, even though God had told me to. I'm thinking, well, if I get this barbecue, then I'm going to be able to have people over and bless them because I'm going to cook for them. And, you know, the next thing you know, I've, I've completely talked myself out of actually being generous, but that's greed. That's pride, because really what I'm doing is I'm thinking, how can I get what I want? And, and, and here's the deal. The only solution, there's only one solution to greed, and, and that's to give. And so God, He cares way more about the condition of our heart than anything else. So as we begin to follow Him, we find ourselves starting to be challenged in these almost invisible areas that we're all prone to struggle. Let me ask you something. Who doesn't want to be humble? Like, who doesn't want to think of themselves or or truly be a humble person? I don't think anyone sets out on the scale of humble and prideful to be more on the prideful side. Yet pride is one of the most lethal killers of our joy. It's sneaky. It creeps up on us. And our lack of joy is often a symptom of a deeper problem. And so if you want more joy in your life, we've got to go deeper. We've got to go beneath the surface to find out, hey, what's robbing me of my joy? Every culture has its own set of values. And for better or worse, we're affected by the values that we're born into. So when we think about the values of our culture, they can actually show us some of the things that we're probably going to struggle with when it comes to growing in humility and becoming more like Jesus. And so one of the highest values in America is success. I mean, we love success. We idolize it. We worship it. Uh, we, we respect people more if they've achieved something that we perceive as, as, as a high level of success. Um, I've been watching The Last Dance on Sunday nights. It's this ESPN special about the Chicago Bulls and their final season. It's Michael Jordan. I grew up watching Michael Jordan as a kid. I, I, I remember this last championship in my grandparents' living room. I have over 200 Michael Jordan basketball cards. And let me tell you guys something. This show is awesome, okay? If you don't think that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, you're wrong. And if you want to debate it, we can debate it in the comments, but you're going to lose, okay? Anyway, my wife, she doesn't even like sports and she's enjoying this show. So that's why, that's how much you guys need to watch this. But the reason I bring that up is because these guys, you know, I had this thought while we were watching it. These guys are at the top of their game. These are some of the most elite athletes in the world. They're doing things that nobody has ever done before. They're they're doing incredible stuff. Yet I guarantee you, if we were to go and ask all of them, hey, did the success you experienced during that season deliver everything you had hoped? I guarantee you they would say no. Because the truth is, success rarely delivers all that we hope it will. It made them famous. It made them wealthy. But there are more significant things than achieving wealth and fame and success in our careers. Being successful in our careers doesn't automatically make us a better husband or a better wife. It doesn't automatically make us a better parent. And it doesn't automatically give us a healthier soul. Success 
rarely gives us the security that we think it'll deliver. I mean, there are a lot of people that were living very wealthy lifestyles, and then in the last month, everything changed. Success does not deliver the security that we think it will. Success does not deliver the joy and the happiness that we think it will. There are a lot of people who, on their path to success, made very prideful decisions that left them discouraged and depressed long after they achieved what they thought would make them happy. So we need a different motivator than success if we're going to have joy in the journey. We need more than a fight to the top. We need more than an achieve-at-all-costs mindset. We need humility. And in God's economy, humility is one of the highest currencies. But where do we start? Like, what does it mean to be humble? What does it look like? Today, we're going to look at three questions for growing in humility. And our first question comes from verse 2 and 3, where it says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So here's the question. Are you guys ready for this? Here's, here's our first question. What do I want most? Ambition is a strong word. And it's not a bad thing, but it's easy to misplace. Uh, we all have varying levels of ambition. Ambition is a strong desire to achieve something. It's what we hope we can make happen or, or what we hope will happen. So what does Paul want them to have ambition about? What would God want us to have ambition about? Well, he says, my joy will be complete when you're like-minded with the same love, one spirit and one mind. When together our greatest desire is God, it produces joy. And so at its essence, our ambition causes us to ask ourselves, what do we desire the most? Uh, I had a moment the other day, my, my second daughter, Juliana, is, is only one month old and she's crying and I'm doing everything I can. I've got a lot that I need to get done, that I, some work that I want to get back to. And so I'm pulling out all the stops. I've got the shusher going. I've got a pacifier. I'm rocking her. And it's like nothing I do is working. Like as soon as I set her down, she starts crying again. And I started to get frustrated. And then I realized like there was just this thought that was smarter than me. I, I, I just started hearing from God. I, this thought just came to me and, and, and I felt like God was saying, hey, what you want to do, what you think is really important right now is not as important as this. Look at this little child. Look at this baby. All she wants is to be in her father's arms. And there's something so pure and so beautiful and so simple about that, that that the only care she has is to be with her father. And I just felt like God was saying, hey, what if, what if that was your care? What if that was what was most important to you? What if your ambition was to be in my presence? In Matthew 18, there's a story about Jesus where there's these children. And it says he called a little child to him and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In the heat of the moment, um, when I got frustrated and thought that there were more important things that I should be doing, um, Jesus is like, hey, what's more important? What's more important than a daughter being with her father? Is my ambition like a small child, to be with their father? Is my greatest desire to be with God? Or am I more distracted by what I think is important? And I wonder how that selfish ambition is affecting the way I treat others. 
And this leads to our next question. Let's take a look at verse 4. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So the, the second question is, how am I helping others win? For some reason, God chose to fulfill His mission through us. And we weren't the most effective choice. We weren't the most efficient. I mean, Jesus, you know, he left the ball in our court. He goes, he he dies on the cross. He's like, hey guys, I've done my thing. Your move. It's on you now. Here's your mission. Go for it. And, And why would he choose us? Like, we're a mess. Like, we make mistakes. We're far from perfect. But he chose us because it actually gives God great joy to work through us to help us grow, to see the progress, to partner with us. And so he chose to work through us for his good pleasure. Verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so God's modeled this for us by choosing to work with us. And so this is his idea. And our growth and our progress brings him joy, but it also brings him joy when we help others succeed. Rick Warren says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And so I wonder how much time are we spending thinking about how we can help others, how we can make other people more successful. I wonder if you've ever uh, said to yourself or, you know, you've heard the quote, if you want something done right, you do it yourself. And sometimes that's true, but there's no joy in that mindset. Helping others succeed isn't always about how fast it can get done or or whether or not it's efficient, but when you're partnering with others towards the purposes that they were created for, there is so much joy in that. See, one of the best parts about being on a great team is making your teammates better. That's one of the most exciting things we can do on a team because you know a team is is not the sum of its parts. It's what can what do we become together? But we're only as good as our weakest link. And so we want to grow and improve together. And when we do, God often does exponential things through us. And so when we can be a person on a team that makes others better, that is amazing. That there's so much that's fulfilling about doing our part and playing our part to the best of our ability. But it's a whole other thing when you can step back and say, wow, I helped that person grow. This week, my wife Marcy and I, we were, we were going through premarital with a couple um, that I'm going to be marrying next month. And who knows what that's going to look like so far. Just so you guys know, we're being safe. The plan is four of us on a beach spread out. Of course, they won't be spread out, but uh, it's going to be awesome. But one of the things that was so cool this week is we were you know, in this session and we were able to share from the mistakes that we made and the lessons that we've learned. And we were just able to see, wow, this is awesome. How, how tangibly, because of taking this time to do this together, are, are we able to help set them up for success, even in some areas that, that we weren't set up? And so it was just so rewarding. There was so much joy in the, in the conversation. How's God positioned you in your life to help others? What, what gifts and resources have he, has he given you that you can help others in their journey? Uh, this is one of the best and most overlooked sources of joy. And it's so simple just to think of other people and to ask yourself, how can I help? So question number two is, how am I helping others win? And our last question comes from verse five. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Our last question is, who do I want to be like? You know, there are all kinds of people that we admire. We admire uh, great CEOs, founders of companies or successful startups. We admire celebrities and bloggers and 
different famous people, authors, actors, all kinds of successful people because of some of the stuff that they've done. And that's not always bad. We respect and admire different people for different reasons. But as followers of Jesus, the question we want to come back to is who do we want to be like the most? And that's Jesus. Because when we become more like Jesus and we start to think like Jesus and see things like Jesus, uh, we start to experience the joy of Jesus. Paul goes on to describe humility and what it looks like in the person of Jesus. He cites Jesus as the ultimate example of humility. Many believe that the next seven verses are actually a hymn that the early church would sing. But notice how they tell the story of the humility of Jesus. It says, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus didn't use his position of power for selfish gain. Then it says, Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He lowered himself to come and to serve us. Verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on the cross. To give us what we really needed, he gave everything he had. He was willing to give it all. Our last few verses, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The path of greatness is paved in humility. And life to the fullest and ultimate joy comes when we embrace the kind of life that our Savior modeled. We can't control others. We can't humble them. I love this quote. It just kind of stuck with me. I forget where I heard it, but encourage people because life will humble them. Life will humble us. And so Jesus, you know, he did, one of the things I love about Jesus is he didn't wait for people to be humble towards him, to decide if he was going to serve them. And that's one of the true marks of greatness is will you humbly serve even when people don't honor you, even when you feel like you're right, even when you don't feel like they deserve it. And in doing so, Jesus became someone that many would commit their lives to and even sacrifice like he did. So in closing, I wonder if you consider yourself a humble person. For starters, I think the mark of a humble person is a continual desire to grow in humility. And so these questions, they can really help us, but we're going to have to do the work. And so I just want to review this real quick because this is your homework this week. If you want to grow in humility, set aside some time to ask yourself these questions. What do I want most? Um, if you're having a hard time with this one, one of the things I do is when I start to get angry or frustrated about something, that's a heart check moment to say, to say hey, what desire is driving this? What's motivating this? And I may not be wrong, but I may need to humble myself. I may need to ask the question, hey, why am I getting so worked up about this? What, what is it in my heart that's going on in my true desires? Is my deeper desire for love and for God or is it for something else? The second question is, how am I helping others win? Uh, list out some ways that you can take action. This could be fun to think of what God's given you and what you can do to bless others. Um, you may maybe involve a close friend or a spouse and have them brainstorm with you. And then lastly, and most importantly, who do I want to be like? Is Jesus my hero? Is he my role model? Do I think of it as a good thing when I get to sacrifice and I get to serve others? 
even when it's not convenient, even when it's not my preference or it doesn't fit into my plans, but when I have an opportunity to serve others, wow, that's an opportunity to be like Jesus. And that's humility, to see beyond yourself, to see beyond yourself for the bigger picture. And so as we grow in humility, we grow in joy. And so that's what we're going to do this week. Um, For some of you, this is your homework. For others, hey, I just want to speak to you for a moment right now. If you're at a different decision point, Maybe you've been following along these last few weeks or you've been joining us for a year, but maybe you're at a point now where you're able to see through a lens of humility and you're able to see for the first time that you need Jesus. And if that's where you're at, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and to agree with me in your heart. If you need Jesus and you're ready to commit your life to him, let's pray this prayer together. God, I pray for every person that is making that decision right now. I pray that their life would be filled with joy, joy beyond circumstances, joy in pain, joy in a greater purpose, and joy in humbly serving and sacrificing for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're at that point and you made that decision, we would love to have a conversation with you. You can let us know in the comments or you can go to brave.church forward slash follow Jesus where you'll find some helpful resources and you can get in contact with us and we would love to pray with you. I love you guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us today for Brave at Home. We hope this gathering encouraged you, challenged you and filled you with hope. Even if you aren't local, if this ministry is impacting you or your family's life, we appreciate your giving. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for regular notifications. Check out brave.church for the latest news. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.